What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse. I'm here with Robert, Brett, and Ed. We are the crew from Aloxa Saturday. Guys, welcome to week three. We are deep into football now, getting into late September. We have rivalry games. We have some great college atmospheres. Penn State is already having their whiteout game. I mean, we are into college football. How are we feeling? Oh, people took my advice on Appalachian State last week. Chase Price looked way better than it did at Duke. I'll eat a little crow on that. I, I will. You know what? Chase Bryce, maybe he was confused and thought he was playing Syracuse. I don't really know. Listening to Brett. They have orange. Listening to Brett's been a good strategy so far. You are leading the pack right here on the scoreboard at seven and three on your locks picks, which by the way, we do just so if you're new to the show, I haven't listened to it. We do kind of go out of the way to find the hardest lines to pick in the biggest games. So these are tough picks. So around 500, you're looking pretty good. If you're sitting at seven and three, you're looking great. And Irby with a big week last week, went four and one. So big week this week in terms of the scoreboards, we'll be sure to have Mike and Chris's picks up on the article that will hit sunsaturday.com very soon as well. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the Twitter interactions. We'll have another listener game of the week this week that'll hit very close to home for a lot of Hokies. All right, so we're going to kick things off down south in a big SEC matchup. Really doesn't get more SEC than this. Alabama is minus 15 and a half in the swamp at Florida. This will be your CBS game of the week. Cue the music. we'll, We'll get copyrighted if we play the music, but cue the music. You know the theme song. CBS, 330. Over under for this game, 58 and a half. Ed, kick us off with this one. Roll Tide. Or are the Gators going to pull the upset? Yeah, guys, I'm really excited about this game. It should be uh, a lot of fun to watch. The 3.30 CBS game is always a good time, especially when you get into legit SEC football like this, which is what this game is. It's two um, really good programs that, I mean, Alabama, obviously, everybody knows. But then I think this Florida um, success is something that will be sustained for a few years here. Um, I don't think this Florida team is what last year's Florida team was, uh, losing you know, a top 10 pick and a, you know, very good college quarterback in Kyle Trask. Uh, it's really tough to replace. And I don't think Florida has enough to do that um, in this, this game. So I'm going to go with Alabama here for a few reasons. Uh, Emory Jones, I don't think is very good. And it sounds like Anthony Richardson is still a little banged up after, um, you know, some of his highlight plays last week. So it should be Emory Jones for most of the game here against Alabama. I just don't think he's good enough to keep them within um, what is a very large spread here at 15 and a half uh, at the time we're recording this. So I'm going to go with Alabama here. Um, Bryce Young is very good and I'm not in the business of betting against Nick Saban anymore after I've already done that once this year and it burned me. So roll tide. Yeah, this was definitely, uh, I would say this is, was the hardest line for me to pick. Um, I just hate, I hate lines that are this big, like 15 and a half points given to a road team in the SEC. Like, I just, I just hate that. But I, I, Florida just has too many red flags for me to pick them here. I find their quarterback situation to be intriguing yet concerning. Uh, Emory Jones, Ed touched on this. He was kind of supposed to be the guy. Uh, he got a lot of hype after Trask left, um, but he really can't take care of the ball. He turned the ball over twice through two interceptions last week against a very bad South Florida team. Um, a lot of Gator fans are 
very, very excited about Anthony Richardson and what he's brought to the table thus far. Um, he's looked really good and very explosive, but he is also nursing that hamstring injury. So it's it's hard to say if he'll be 100%. So I don't really know who's going to play here. Um, I don't really know who Dan Mullen's going to throw out there. I mean, if you're going based on who's looked better so far, it's definitely Richardson. But for his first start of his career to be against Alabama while not 100% seems like a pretty disastrous scenario. Plus, like I said, Jones just doesn't take care of the ball well. Um, they're also going to be missing linebacker Ventrell Miller. Um, underwent surgery uh, earlier this week, and he'll be out. Um, so that defense that has already been, we'll say, shaky at times so far this year uh, is already going to be down a man against Bryce Young. And most importantly, Dan Mullen is just notoriously bad at winning big games. Um, I mean, yeah, you just look at his track record thus far at Florida and even at Mississippi State, and they, anytime they play a top-tier opponent, they tend to lose. Um, so I want to pick Florida because of this line and the fact they're at home, but I, I just can't. I think the tide rolls in big here. Yeah, Robert, the word intriguing being connected to a quarterback room usually isn't a good thing because that means you do not have a bona fide starter in Florida. Emory Jones was supposed to be, you know, this whole time, like, oh, he's he's sitting behind Trask. This is a Heisman caliber guy. It never really has materialized at Florida. And I think what you're looking at now is a team that really is going to be replacing a lot more weapons. They haven't played anybody. Uh, they've played Florida Atlantic and South Florida, two not very good football teams. Alabama at least has that test against Miami, against top-tier athletes. I think tied big here. I looked at some of the spread history for this one because this is kind of the same matchup that we've had for almost a decade with Alabama, Florida, where Alabama is just a bit more talented than Florida. Alabama six and five uh, against the spread since 2017 when they're favored by two to three touchdowns. It's it's a little shaky on here, but then we're going to get some Florida numbers. Since 2017, Florida is six nine and one against the spread as an underdog, and in their last eight games. Florida is one, six, and one against the spread. Florida is not a team that has been very good with Vegas lately. They're not underdogs a lot when they are. They don't seem to rise to that occasion, like we were talking about with Dan Mullen in these big games. I'm roll tied here pretty big. Brett, round us out. Yeah, it's kind of hard to round out everybody when everybody's pretty much said the correct things. I mean, like I said, I'm not in the business of betting against Nick Saban either. I feel like I've tried to do it every year on every big spread, and he always delivers. I mean, the biggest question was Alabama's offense this year. Were they going to be able to produce, especially with the new quarterback in Bryce Young? And it's been very clear so far he's the real deal and probably the Heisman favor right now. And I really don't foresee them letting off the gas here to afford a team that has quarterback issues and lost a lot from last year. So I'm going to go with Alabama here. Um, I also like the over here. I think Florida can put up the points as well. Alabama actually has a couple injuries on defense. Uh, I think I think it can get ugly and it hits the over. All right, boys, next game on the docket. It is a big one up in Happy Valley. The Auburn Tigers, a road game at a Big Ten stadium for the first time in almost 100 years. They are plus five and a half at Penn State in the whiteout game, the notorious whiteout game. Penn State will actually have two this year because they didn't get one last year. I love it. This is the ABC slot at 730. Over under for this game is at 53. Ed, kick us off again. I'm all over the state of Alabama, man. World Tide and now War Eagle. Um, I am not sold on Sean Clifford at all. Um, uh, you know, he's been okay at best. And I think this game will be a little bit, uh, I don't know that 
Auburn's defense is significantly better than Wisconsin's was, but um, it's probably somewhat equal. And I don't think um, anything less than 20 points will be enough for Penn State to win this game. So um, they better hope from a better performance from Sean Clifford. I, I'm just not sold on him. He's just okay. Um, and so far under Brian Harson, Bo Nix has been very good, albeit against terrible competition. Um, but they're putting up points like crazy. Like last week, they were favored there by 50 something. And they covered with ease and put up a 60 spot on um, whoever it was that's not very good that they were playing. They haven't really played anybody at all, but they've proven that they can score and that Bonex is capable in this new Brian Harson system. Uh, I think that's a not a match made in heaven, but I think it's a significant improvement over the coaching that was taking place down there in Auburn. Um, so I, I don't know. I like the SEC here. I always like the SEC, and I'm not going to sway from that. Um, not a believer in Sean Clifford, not really a believer in James Franklin. Um, and I think Auburn's offense is able to score significantly more than Wisconsin's ones against Penn State. So, War Eagle. Guys, I just have to say, I absolutely love that this game is happening. I feel like if there oh, were I'm ever... beyond excited for this game. I should have clarified that this is my favorite game of the week, probably. I'm very excited to watch it. And also, I forgot to add this, that this is my lock of the week as well. Ooh, cha-ching! Oh, a little last second cha-ching. Love it. This, this is yeah, the type of game. I, I, forgot, I forgot we got to add the sound in there, right? I should have mentioned that. My bad. I, I mean, this is the type of game that you make an NCAA 14 for your team to play. You're like, oh, why don't I have like Auburn come visit or something like that? Right. I, I, I love this that this game is happening for a number of reasons, but I also love that this game is happening because I feel like these two teams are basically the exact same team, but in different conferences. Like, I feel like if there are ever two teams guaranteed to, like, crack the top 10, then finish 8-4, and four, it's Auburn and Penn State every year. Uh, I, I would like to say that this is, like, a contender versus pretender game, like, loser leaves town, but I feel like they're both probably pretenders. Um, you've got folks back on the Bo Nix bandwagon. Uh, Ed is one of them, as, as we can see. Uh, but that just means that Bo Nix is due for a bad day. Um, plus happy Valley is, is one of the toughest environments to play in. Um, so since let's see, so Penn state has not lost a home non-conference game since 2013. They've won 18 home non-conference games in a row. Um, and so don't, don't view this as an endorsement of Penn state because I agree with Ed. I think that, I think that they are pretenders. I, I certainly don't think they're a top 10 team but I just don't think Auburn is either. Uh, don't don't even consider jotting either team down as a playoff contender. Uh, I just see Penn State as a slightly better team, plus the home environment I think will give them enough to cover the spread. I see the Nittany Lions winning by about a touchdown. If you are a Bo Nix believer, I, I can see how he'll be a little bit better quarterback this year, but at Penn State on the road at night, wide out, it's not going to happen. Bo Nix is he's pads his stats against bad teams and he still doesn't have that good of a stats. Bo Nix in his career on the road. You ready for this? 55% completion percentage, which is not very good in college at all. He has 10 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. He has a quarterback rating of 108.5. To put that in perspective, if you were to put that against the 2019 numbers where you have quarterbacks playing true road games for a full season, That would have ranked 110th nationally among qualifying quarterbacks. Only 116 quarterbacks qualified. Bo Nix on the road is one of the worst quarterbacks 
in college football. I know he's playing SEC teams, but this is the most SEC-like defense that you could possibly face outside of the SEC. I don't see him being able to really score that much. I don't trust that offense. Tank Bigsby is good, but other than that, they don't have much. Penn State, on the other hand, has a lot of the same issues. Clifford is not a game. He's not Trace McSorley. He's not going to be able to take over a game. So I am not sold on the Penn State offense either, but I think they'll have enough big plays just like they did against Wisconsin to win an ugly game. I love the under in this game. I could very easily see 24-20, something like that, at the absolute max. I think it's a defensive slugfest. I think you're going to see a lot of turnovers. But in terms of the spread, I have to go Penn State and wide out. I'm not going to bet against Penn State at wide out. They've won three of the last four outright wide out games. Nittany Lions. Yeah, more of the same for me, Sam. I mean, I just don't see Auburn going in there. Bo Nix hasn't played anybody yet. I'm still not sold on Bo Nix. I still think he was the most overrated quarterback in college football for the last two years. He had one good game against Oregon. Uh, Brian Harson. I mean, he hasn't played anybody yet. I mean, we're going to see what he's made of this weekend in the whiteout. Um, a big, even though Penn State really pisses me off when it comes to recruits, out there I'm still a big fan of the whiteout. I think it's one of the hardest uh, environments to play in. I think this game is very similar to when. North Carolina came into Virginia Tech, and it's just they're going to go into a hornet's nest. Um, this is actually my lock of the week. I think Penn State gets it done uh, by a score or two. Um, Sean Clifford, yeah, he can. He not like Trace McSorley, or he's not really like any – he's not anything special, but I think Penn State's got the talent there at home at a whiteout for only five and a half points um, to get this done. Um, so, yeah, this is my lock of the week, Penn State minus five and a half. I would also like to add one thing to this since I'm very much alone. Um, and that's okay. I understand that. Auburn's bit me before on this very podcast, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. Um, Auburn's two wins have been against Akron and Alabama State. So not not very tough competition there. And uh, they put up 60 in both games. The thing that I wanted to point out doesn't really have anything to do with this actual game, but Demetrius Davis hasn't played in either game. Um, just something that I think is funny. Yeah, if they were to have anybody else at court, I mean, they are they're sold on Bo, Bo Nix. They have to play him out through the rest of his career. Just they sold their soul to him early on. Um, well, at least Demetrius well, Davis is getting a great the, education, a phenomenal yeah, education right. on the plans. Oh, other quarterbacks have played. TJ Finley's played. I'm just saying, Demetrius that's, Davis has not. That's true. That's true. We'll be seeing his name in the transfer portal. Well, talking talking about him. Phenomenal education. Uh, the Athlon Sports guys called this the Vineyard Vines Bowl, and it is a great rivalry, and maybe they need to call it that. This is our listener game of the week. Al Jones, our graphics guy, Al Jones, and a bunch of other people as well on Twitter were asking for this game. Virginia is plus nine at North Carolina. Again, this is our listener game of the week. Thank you for all those suggestions on Twitter. Keep us you know, keep us in the loop with what you're, what's on your betting card. Reach out to us on Twitter. This game will be at 7.30 as well on ACC Network. The over-under is 64.5. That over-under has actually grown in some places up to like 67. Like It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's basically what basic is, Vegas is telling you guys. How are we feeling about the Wahoos? Ed, you're up, you're up again, buddy. This is your show. Oh, oh boy. Good for me. Um, yeah, I like UVA in this one to quote friend of Sons of Saturday, Don V, um, UNC and Sam Howe were 
in my eyes, lies were told, as Don V likes to say. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on Sam Howell. I don't. I think we're getting to the point now where um, another bad game or two, and he may be looking to come back to UNC next year and not leave for the draft. Um, I, I think he was a a product of a lot of really good talent around him last year that, that he had at his disposal. And um, he's been okay so far. He wasn't great against the Hokies. He was okay last week. Um, I'm not, I'm not sold on North Carolina. Virginia has looked very good so far. Uh, it stinks to say, but they're, they're no joke. Um, they're nowhere near as bad as I thought they'd be. And they, they will be, you know, a problem at the end of the season for the Hokies as well. I don't think Virginia's a joke. I think they're, they're doing pretty well. Um, and I think I was wrong about both these programs at the beginning of the year. I thought Virginia was going to be terrible and UNC was going to be really good. And it turns out that, uh, you know, the opposite has come true in both cases. So I like Virginia here against North Carolina. Verbal meme, Michael Scott yelling no over and over again when Toby comes back. That's how I felt when you said Sam Howell could come back. Uh, please, God, no. I can't. Even Not even on the play, I just can't deal with the offseason Sam Howell talk anymore get him in the nfl i agree wholeheartedly uh i'm really fired up to talk about this one to be honest uh this will definitely be my longest uh point i guess you could say of the podcast uh and as you guys may recall and as the listeners out there may recall i absolutely roasted uva in our coastal preview pod i said they would win four games uh yeah, I just absolutely roasted them. And you may be thinking to yourself, listener out there, you may be thinking to yourself, wow, Brendan Armstrong looks so good. You were wrong about UVA and their offense, Irby. Well, guess what? No, I wasn't. Sure, UVA scored 43 and 42 in their first two games. But do we not see who they've played? First game, William & Mary. And they have absolutely spiraled as a program under Mike London. Uh just one of the worst football coaches who's ever lived. Two. And though I don't want to interrupt you too much, but just for perspective for people who don't really know FCS football, William and Mary was ranked like preseason dead last in the Colonial Conference. Like they're a bad FCS team. Yes. And that was going to be my next point is that William and Mary will be lucky to go 500 in the FCS. Uh, as for Illinois, I mean, they lost to UT San Antonio last or two weeks ago before losing to UVA. And they're certainly not as bad as William & Mary, but they're a lot closer than they should be. Uh, I think that that Nebraska performance was a bit of a bit of an aberration. Uh, that was more of an indictment on how bad Nebraska is. And so I just think that these offensive performances, especially from Armstrong, have to be taken with a grain of salt just because the competition was just not good. UVA's secondary is also still terrible. And Sam Howell, I mean though he has been rightfully scrutinized for his game against Virginia Tech because he looked horrible against the Hokies. Uh, I do think he's set up well for success here. I think like him or love him um, or hate him, he's one of the streakiest quarterbacks in the game today. Um, and in his career, he has shown to build off of those strong performances, especially against weak teams. And so looking at his freshman year, after the Tar Heels lost two games in a row, Howell threw for three touchdowns against Mercer and finished with a 97.9 out of 100 QBR. The Tar Heels won their next two games by a combined score of 96 to 23. Last year, after they lost to Notre Dame, Sam Howell threw 
287 yards and two touchdowns against Western Carolina with a 95.4 QBR. The next week, they beat Miami on the road 62-26. to And now last week, after losing to Virginia Tech, they played Georgia State. Sam Howell had a combined 456 yards between rushing and passing and five touchdowns for a 94.6 QBR. I think Sam tends to build off of these games where his receivers are running wide open. He's playing against terrible opponents um, and he gets some easy touchdowns and he tends to build off of that and he builds chemistry with his receivers off of that. And especially against Virginia Tech, you could see a clear lack of that chemistry. I anticipate how having more chemistry with his receivers after that game against Georgia State. Um, and I think that they'll just really kind of run wild against that UVA secondary. That is still just really bad. Um, and you combine all that with UVA being 5-15 and 15 in ACC road games under Bronco. I'm going to say that again. 5-15 and 15 on the road in the ACC under Bronco. I see this as an easy, easy win for UNC by at least three touchdowns. This is an absolute lock. I love it. I love it. And and just for the people out there, the, the quarterback ratings that, that I talked about earlier with Bo Nix, that's using the more traditional like NFL quarterback rating system. That makes absolutely no sense. The one Irby was referring to was made by ESPN for college quarterbacks and is rated out of 100, average being 50. It makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, we'll just have to start using the PFF numbers eventually because the, the I don't really even know what goes into the quarterback rating that ESPN has at all. But yeah, it's I I've you know as part of my job I've been at both of the UVA games and wide receivers are running wide open, man. I mean, absolutely wide open. And credit to credit to Brennan Armstrong for pulling the trigger. We'll talk about this at Braxton Burmeister. He pulls the trigger and he makes throws downfield. He he's not shy about that at all. He has played really really well. Don't get me wrong. They still can't run the football. They're still suspect in pass defense. Illinois probably had four drop passes in that game. I think UVA is a better team than what I thought they were going to be coming in, but that team is still not good enough to keep it within double digits at UNC. I like Carolina in this one by two to three touchdowns. I think they're angry at UVA because UVA has just had their number for the last few years. Another thing with Brennan Armstrong is he has really good numbers. Some of those numbers are kind of garbage time. They've been throwing late in the fourth quarter of both of these games. There, there has been no taking the foot off the pedal in Charlottesville. Uh, he, he's just been dominant late in games. He's eight of nine in the fourth quarter for a touchdown. He, he's even better in the third quarter. But in the first half, you know, he has had some of the issues that we saw last year with a little bit wild on the accuracy, not seeing open guys sometimes. Uh, they don't have much of an intermediate passing game. It's either they'll throw like a short screen or a short out, or they're going deep. There's not much in the middle. I just think the physicality and speed that North Carolina are going to bring to the table are going to be kind of a shock factor for UVA in this one. And playing in Carolina at night game, it, it's a little bit too much. You said it, 5-15 and 15 on the road for UVA under Bronco Mendenhall and ACC games. Last season, UVA was 0-3. With no crowd, now they have to go play a crowd. I I don't like it for UVA this one. I think Sam Howell could have a a comeback to life moment. He he could have the Undertaker gift come to life, where he's just raising out of the coffin next to the, next to the wrestling ring. 
Brett, this is this is a big game in the ACC Coastal. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but this is really, really big. Yeah, I mean, this this is an interesting game, and the line is interesting, and I think it's definitely for people to get action on North Carolina, for people to – for hoping Virginia is going to do something crazy because they've had their number in the last, you know, few, few years. But I'm with – Robert, I'm with Robert and Sam here. I'm on the same page as you guys. I think North Carolina, I think Sam Howell's woken up. I think he's I think it's time for him to start getting his feet wet again. Yes, he was he is a victim of his own what's the word I'm looking for? I guess popularity and skill set that he had last year. And and I said that for the Virginia Tech game. I mean, I'm on paper saying that Sam Howell and that team was completely overrated. Um, I think coming into the season, I think they're criminally overrated. I mean, I freaked out on Twitter. I've said it all, but that would lead people to think that I think I'd pick Virginia here, but I think UNC still is just the better team here. Um, Brennan Armstrong looks great. He's not the next Steve Young, which is the most insane comparison I've ever seen in my life. That's pretty much that's people equivalent like head and hooker to being like the next Michael Vick is like what people were saying because his stats he was putting up when he first started, he was, Hayden Hooker was the most efficient quarterback in the country for a year. We saw where that went. Um, it's eventually all going to level out. I mean, UVA put Illinois last week, who did beat Nebraska, which I guess Nebraska is honestly just like a really, really bad team. I didn't realize how bad they were until <laughs> Virginia just absolutely emasculated uh, Illinois last week. So it's I just um, I was like North Carolina here for all the points that everyone said um, going last and these kind of things. It's kind of hard to get some more points out, but five and fifteen. The one point I did ever out was five and fifteen away from Brockman at Hollis. What we hammered home. Now North Carolina is not known notoriously for their hard home games and their fans, but I still think it does them justice enough to get it to at least ten points. I mean nine points. I think for a North Carolina team that had so much hype, I think people have already died the hype down. But I think Sam Howell, he's back getting his feet wet. He's finally got some chemistry with his receivers. Um, He's got talent around him. This will be the best defense Virginia's faced all year, obviously. And I just don't foresee Virginia be able to keep this within a, two scores, um, especially early. UNC gets out early. I think it's can get ugly. Um, it's all going to come out in the first half. I really like UNC um, for covering the first half, whatever that is. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, what Brett, you bring up a good point about the defense, too, for UNC. And, I mean, I know that people have – they were portrayed as this lockdown defense – in the preseason, which I, I don't think was accurate. And I think we all saw, especially in the Virginia tech game, that that wasn't accurate, but they've only given up to, I think 259 passing yards in two games. Like that's less than 130 a game. Yeah. That's what Virginia's relying on. Right. right. All, all UVA can rely on is Brendan Armstrong passing the ball. And that's, that's what UNC defends against the best. Yeah. And they are, I mean, they are, their defensive backs are, very physical. They're very athletic. Uh, I think UVA will struggle initially in this game. They might grow into the game and, and kind of try to outlast UNC and see if they can make it close at the end and potentially win it. But I don't see it happening like it did last year where UVA was just the more physical team from the get-go. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think UNC... They have that the athleticism, the size, the speed. I think it's going to be a little too much for UVA. Let's go out west. Enough ACC talk. Let's go out west. 
maybe one of the surprise teams of the year hosting one of the most ridiculous offseason UNC is the offseason champion. Arizona State is the offseason loser this year. Arizona State is favored by three and a half points at Brigham Young in a top 25 showdown in Provo. Game is going to be on ESPN late night, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Over under for this one, only 51 and a half. Ed, BYU had a monster, monster win last week at home against Utah. Can they do it again against Arizona State? Yeah, I actually think they do. I have BYU in this game. Uh, I'm by no means a West Coast expert uh, the way other people on this podcast are, but I think BYU is uh, – I'm going to go with a better program uh, method of picking this game. I think BYU is clearly the better program um, for you know a whole bunch of reasons. But I'm going to go with BYU. I think they ride the high of last week. You know, it's obviously a really big win for them. I think they can keep it up for another week and they get it done at home. Um, yeah, better program at home. I'm going to go with BYU here. You know, I, I do understand the BYU hype. I mean, they've, they've beaten two Pac-12 teams already uh, in their first two games, which, I mean, for for an independent like that, like that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, or I guess they're about to join the Big 12, but they're still independent. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think that this one is different. I think that Arizona State is a much better team than Utah, or especially they're especially better than Arizona. Um, yeah, Arizona State's good. I think they've earned that top 20 ranking. And more importantly, I feel like Herm Edwards, uh, I feel like he almost has these guys in like a, a the last dance mentality where he just knows that they're about to get hammered by the NCAA for all their recruiting violations. And it's almost like, well, we might as well go down swinging. Let's, uh, let's see what we can throw together this year. Um, and I think this will be the best year for Arizona state for, for a few years. Um, I, it seems like those allegations are pretty serious. Um, and I just don't think that BYU can, can contend with that. Uh, three and a half here, I feel like is a pretty small line for a top 20 Pac-12 team going against a team like BYU. Um, and I like the Sun, Del- Sun Devils to cover it. You don't just walk into Provo, Utah and come out with a win. You just don't do it. I Look, they're coming into the Big 12. You're like, in, oh, they're independent. BYU has national championships like within like 30, 35 years or something like that. I believe they do. And like someone fact check me. I believe BYU has a national championship there in like the 80s or something. Well, that's like saying Army's a national champion. Well, yeah, but let me give you some numbers on BYU real quick that are a little more recent. In their last six, they're four, one, and one against the spread. They're five and oh straight up in their last five. They're eleven and two in their last 13. BYU. With Zach Wilson, obviously phenomenal. He's with the Jets. They are keeping some of those guys still. They have been. They have a program running there at BYU, and those are literal grown men playing. Let's not talk. There's a difference physically between a 25-year-old and a 20-year-old. Like There is a massive difference. I think BYU at home, I'm not going to bet against them. I'm never going to bet against them. Arizona State has played absolutely nobody. The best team that Arizona State has played this year is Nevada-Las Vegas. 
That's the best team that they've played this year. They beat Southern Utah and they beat UNLV. Uh, they haven't played anybody. I'm going with the team that has played tough, physical, high-level D1 caliber athletes. I know Arizona sucks, but you know at least they're you know large and fast. Uh, give me BYU plus three and a half if they lose. They're probably going to lose tight. I do not see this game being a blowout. I, I really like what Jaron Hall has done with his legs so far this season. He's a guy who's willing to scramble and run for yards, giving them a bit of an X factor offensively. BYU at home, I think they're going to be just more physical than Arizona State, similar to the UVA-UNC game. BYU is just going to out-physical them. Cougars by a touchdown. Yeah. BYU, I like BYU here as well. I mean, they're ten and zero in their last ten games at home. I mean, I think they like Samson. They played better competition. I think they're more of a well-oiled machine, even without Zach Wilson. Um, and they lost a couple receivers as well. But it seems like BYU is like the one team that even just keeps reloading. That's a G five team. It's really strange. Like it's like they keep. They're like a perennial eight plus win team in the G five. It's like. They're like the new – I don't want to say they're new Boise because Boise was a top-10 team for, you know, with Chris Peterson, you know, for five or six years. But it seems like BYU just keeps reloading every year. And I like them here. I don't think Herm Edwards is a good coach at all. I think he's just like a hype guy. And it's just like, oh, let's just grab the guy that just says the word football a lot. And he just, like, likes to yell at people. And, and he can maybe recruit. I don't think he's a good coach at all. I mean, it's been pretty clear. Arizona State really hasn't done anything. Um, and obviously with all these offseason allegations, who the hell knows – what's going to happen to them in the next uh, in the next year or so. So I like BYU here. It's hard to go against, uh, even though this isn't touchdown Jesus, this is Brigham Young Jesus. It's hard to go against Jesus at home. Um, give me the Cougars. It's hard to go against Jesus when he's playing at home. I'll, yeah, I mean, I, I will say I lost my bet on Notre Dame last week. So, but I mean, BYU at home. Don't bet against BYU at home. Robert, what are you thinking? You're going to feel real silly when it's like 1130 at night and BYU is just trouncing them. I will be peacefully asleep. Just, in, gonna, time, just in time to wake up and see if you can bet on the Steelers or not. You're not going to stay awake for San Jose State at Hawaii at 1230 a.m.? e hours. No, I will have better things to do. I will be actually at a Steelers game this weekend. So. Oh. <laughs> yes. Terrible That's towel will be waving. Terrell, Jet- Terrell Edmonds' jersey will be on my body. That sounds- I have better things to do than watch mediocre West Coast football. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> if you've watched Hawaii's defense, there's nothing mediocre about it. It's just flat out bad. Uh, love the over in that one. We'll get to our bets at the end. Uh a little bit more serious topic here because let me tell you, if you grow up in the state of Virginia or the state of West Virginia, especially, you know, the Southern part of the state of Virginia, you know how intense the Virginia tech, West Virginia rivalry is. I think in terms of the rivalries that Virginia tech has UVA is the, Oh, I hate them because like my cousins went there and, you know, my big sister went there and I went to tech, you know, that's the UVA rivalry. The UNC rivalry is the God, if I hear one more thing about them, they're so annoying. I can't stand them. They're the antithesis of our program. That's the UNC rivalry. The West Virginia rivalry is hatred. It is passionate hatred. And they're a program that's very similar to Virginia tech and how their fan base treats their programming. People, they live and breathe 
West Virginia football, the same way that Virginia Tech fans live and breathe Virginia Tech football. And that's what makes this rivalry so fascinating, so great, and so passionate. This game is a noon kickoff on FS1. Over-under is 50.5. Virginia Tech plus three at West Virginia. Ed, take it away. I don't know what to feel about this game, to be honest. Um, I'm going to go with the Hokies here. I think the defense gets it done. I think Virginia Tech's defense is legit. Um, obviously, you know, plenty of concerns throughout the fan base about the offense. Um, very warranted concerns as well. But I think the defense gets it done. Um, but I, I don't know what to feel about this game, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm less confident about this game than I was in North Carolina, which is pretty weird. Um, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech's defense, able to get it done and slow down the West Virginia offense. They kind of had a get-right game last week where they were able to just beat up on some completely inferior talent. Um, but what, this is also the West Virginia team that just lost to Maryland. And I know Maryland's kind of a program that is, in fact, trending upward, which is kind of crazy. But West Virginia should be beating Maryland. West Virginia as a program should be beating Maryland, regardless of where the game is played. College Park's not exactly a uh, ferocious football environment. Um, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech on the defense here. I think they get it done. Uh, they need both lines to play better. Both offense and defensive line came out flat last week against Mill Tennessee. Um, but I think fortunately for us, our corners are legit. All three, Chapman, Strong, and Waller are all legit. Uh, we get Keontae Jenkins back in the in the you know safety spot, and Shamari Connor has just been an absolute dog all year, and I look for that to continue this week. Um, I think we need to score you know at least twenty five plus to win this game um, comfortably, but I'm going to go Virginia Tech here to not only cover but win the game. I'm going to ask you about the over under on this one as well. How do you feel about it? Fifty and a half. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to go over. That's just kind of my initial gut reaction there. I'll go over. I don't I don't know why. We'll, we'll get to hokey prop I'll, bets later, but um, I I think you hit it on the head when you came out of here and said, well, I, I really don't know. <laughs> this is a tough, tough game to pick, Irby. I think if you look at this game on paper, Virginia Tech has a better offense. Virginia, Virginia Tech has a better defense. And Virginia Tech has a better special teams. So what does that mean? They'll probably lose, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just the Virginia Tech we all know and love. Uh, I, I think that we are a vastly superior team to West Virginia. I Sure, they, they won 66 to nothing last week, but Long Island, are they even Division One? Can someone confirm that? Well, Long Island came up to the FCS ranks in 2019. They were previously Division Two. Last year, they they went over. I, I I don't know how many games that they've actually won at the Division One level, if any. All right. Well, it looks like they're zero and two now. So at least over the last two years, they've won zero football games, uh, in the in the FCS. I don't know. I I do think it's it is just hard to predict. I'm with Ed on this. I just can't wrap my head around uh, nailing down a prediction. Um, but I I just think that Tech is just so much better on paper. And here's what I think the the key factor is going to be. 
we look at the James Mitchell injury, and yes, that is a brutal, brutal injury for the Hokies. Um, I mean, he he does so much. He's so um, reliable and consistent, both as a blocker and as a, re- as a receiver. But I think what Tech's going to do, um, this is kind of just my prediction here, me spitballing, but I think that Tech's going to change it up a little bit on offense. I don't think you're going to see the Hokies just try to fill James Mitchell's void and run the same offense. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more Nick Gallo, but you're not going to see him spread out wide or in the slot or anything like that, like James Mitchell would be. I think you're going to see Jane, or uh, I'm sorry, Nick Gallo um, doing what he's done when he's been on the field, which has been almost like that H-back role that Dalton Keene was. And when Dalton Keene was around, the Hokies ran a lot more plays designed to get the ball to that H-back um, because Dalton Keene was a playmaker. Um, and sure, it was a lot of short passes and Dalton would just run with it. Um, but that's something that the Hokies haven't really done in the first two games. And I think that that's something they're going to have to do uh, with Mitchell out. I think you're going to see Nick Gallo get a lot more looks and you're going to see him get him from the H-back role. And that's going to be something West Virginia is not prepared for. Uh, I think that will make the difference as far as the over-under goes. I still do like the under. Um, Tech's defense is really good. West Virginia's is... Uh, probably pretty good. I, I or average, we'll say. Uh, probably not as good as hyped up to be. Um, but I just think Tech's offense has been so 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 that uh, the under will hit here. And last but not least, uh, my boy Jarrett Doge. Uh, apparently, his last name's pronounced Daggy, but I prefer. Hey. I prefer to call him Doge, and I'll say what I said two weeks ago. This Dogecoin is not headed to the moon. Jeez. Oh, man. You know what? I don't hate it. It's not your worst one. Um, and you're right. Like Defensively, I think West Virginia had a really, really good year last year, but they have had some coaching turnovers. They did have some player turnovers. They lost a lot of their key depth pieces that would go into like their nickel packages and stuff like that. They don't have those, and I think that showed against Maryland where they gave up 496 yards of offense. This is a really tough game to pick because of the emotional factor, right? Like this is West Virginia's North Carolina. It's at home. This is their big game. This is it. This is the biggest game of Neil Brown's tenure at West Virginia. I think that's something you really have to keep in mind. I think that's something that is part of the reason why Vegas has the Hokies as an underdog here, because they are going into the Lions' den this weekend. They really are. It'll be a very tough environment. I I watched the West Virginia Maryland game on replay. And guys, I, I have to say I was really disappointed with West Virginia's performance. I picked them to win that game. That was my lock of the week that week. And Maryland could have blown them out. They really could have. West Virginia had four turnovers. They did not look good on either line of scrimmage. It just hasn't looked very clean and crisp for West Virginia so far this year. Even they, even in the LIU game, they looked kind of iffy. The West Virginia offensive line has a lot of pressure on 20 of 71 dropbacks. That's, that's a pretty high rate. Um, they have given up five sacks. And this is for the year total. Keep in mind that they, base, they played a Division II school last week. They, they played a Division II school. They played a school that Middle Tennessee would absolutely whoop on. Let's, you know, to put it in perspective, Letty Brown was a thousand yard rusher last year. I came in singing his praises. He has done nothing this year. 3.3 yards a carry, 
long rush of 14. They give him the ball at the goal line. So he gets these touchdown numbers. He'd be a great fantasy pickup, but we're not playing fantasy football in between the twenties. He has done diddly squat for them as an offense running the ball. And they don't have really another running back. They give the ball to, they have a backup quarterback in green who can run the ball, but he's not a passing threat. Uh, so I, I running the ball has not been a strength of this team so far. Um, Daigie, PFF grade of 62 through two games, and you got to play Long Island. I mean, it's not great to put that in perspective. Braxton Burmeister's at a 68.5. So it's not like, I mean, Braxton Burmeister's been outplaying him. That says something about how this West Virginia offense has looked. He had two really bad interceptions against Maryland, and he's a player that takes a lot of sacks. I think that's a huge key in this game is Virginia Tech pinning their ears back and getting home to the quarterback. Sam Howell, he can run around and make things happen, and he's a good enough quarterback where he can recognize a blitz and get the ball out. Jerry Daigie is not, not at that level. He's a guy, he needs protection. He needs to throw the ball downfield. It's not that, not that. And like we said with West Virginia, uh, 496 yards to Maryland. I know Maryland is a team that can have those big offensive performances, but they're still Maryland. Like you still have to beat them up front. You still have to take away some things. And West Virginia just simply could not do that. On the Virginia Tech side, I think you're going to see a real combination of Jalen Holston, Raheem Blackshear getting carries. I think the Keyshawn King thing is he's a special teams player now. That's what he is. Jalen Holston has looked really good running the ball, actually. He did have that nice touchdown run against Middle Tennessee where he makes a nice cut there at the second level and then has the speed to break away. I think he and Blackshear really coming into their own and getting better as the season is going on. I think they're going to show out in the running game. Uh, Burmeister, people want him to keep throwing the ball downfield, or to, excuse me, to start throwing the ball downfield. That's a huge you know, point of conversation around the tech message boards this week is vertical passing game, vertical passing game. That's great. Let's work on that at Richmond. I think he needs to do exactly what he's been doing and keeping it safe, throw into the open guys, run when you need to run. You are probably the fastest player on the field. Just run. Like I, I think that's what they need to tell him. Yes, throw away when nothing's there, but make plays with your feet as well. And the only bullet point I have under the Virginia Tech defense is dominant. I think this is, I think they're better than the 2017 defense from what I've you know seen so far. And I think we'll see that throughout the game. I think they have, they're deeper in the secondary. They have better pass rushers. Linebackers are better. Dax is playing the best football of his life right now. All that being said, I agree with Ed. I was more confident in picking Virginia Tech to beat UNC than I am right now. Give me Virginia Tech in the three points. But I could, I could very easily see Virginia Tech losing this game close. Uh, the only way... Virginia Tech loses this game as if they do what they did in 2019 against Boston College, where they just give the game to Boston College and have you know muff punts and turnovers and blown coverages. I think that's the only way Virginia Tech loses because mano y mano, they're they're better than West Virginia. They're better up front. Skill positions, I don't think Virginia Tech receivers have done anything, but it's I don't think our DBs will be burned. You know, I don't think there'll be a blanket over Trey Turner the whole game. Give me Virginia Tech in the points, but man, I, I don't feel super confident about it because of that Morgantown factor. It, it can get ugly. If West Virginia makes this ugly, they'll be in the game late. 
Tim, I will counterpoint and say I am confident about this game. Honestly, I'm more confident about this game than I am UNC. UNC plays West Virginia. UNC blows them out of the water. Granted, yes, this is a rival. This is a big difference. I, I, it's a bigger difference. But also, this game is at noon, which means Morgantown is probably still going to be hungover and waking up for a noon game. Yes, they're still going to bring the heat at a home game, but it's not going to be the same as when we played them in 1999, showing up there and winning on a last-second field goal and pretty much to send us to the national championship. This game isn't doesn't hold away like that. West Virginia isn't this perennial team that you know that like people are talking about it should be so special. You know, like this. Yes, it would obviously the Black Diamond Trophy. This is a big game, but they're not like this special team. Like holy crap! Like this is a huge game. Like we need to go up there and take care of business, which we can. Um, I, I, the under here. This is one of my. If you could bet on Virginia, um, Virginia teams in. Virginia, this would be my lock under of the week. I mean, I foresee this game plan being exactly like the UNC game plan. Um, the defense is far superior than the West Virginia offense. Daigie, I mean, looked absolutely abysmal against the halfway decent Maryland defense. I mean, they're not that good. Maryland's not even that good. Um, and, yeah, I don't think West Virginia's that good. Granted, it's at home. I think the three-point underdog is pretty much they're taking the NFL method here, which is they're playing at home. They're looking as a rivalry. It's a toss-up. Okay, so we give the home team three points. I mean, we favor them by three points, which I can understand to a point, especially after the way Tech looked in the first half against Middle Tennessee State last week. But as we all know, Virginia Tech loves to play flat after a big game. We're still hungover from last Friday. I was still hungover from last Friday, the Friday before. So I can imagine what the team was feeling like. Um to me, Virginia Tech should go up there and take care of business. We have no business losing this game. Uh, and I think if there's a comfort blanket, like if you could you know, have a really comfortable blanket to throw on the collective Virginia Tech fan base, it will be that you've probably seen 50% of the playbook offensively, and you're going to see 100% of it this week. I kind of, sort of. I think yes and no, because what worked against UNC what we did in the first half, which was some gadget pass plays, efficient running the ball, taking care of the football. And Sam, you nailed it on the head earlier. I think if Virginia Tech doesn't give the game away, they did at BC in 2019, where it's Ryan Willis threw three interceptions and two in the red zone, which Burmeister I don't think will do because I think Burmeister reminds me a lot of Michael Brewer where he's a game manager. He's not going to do anything spectacular, but he's not going to really turn the ball over for, turn the ball over for us either. I think if we just manage the game, play at our own pace in Morgantown at a noon at a nooner, I don't see how we can't go up there and take care of business. Um, I hate West Virginia as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to get the emotions ahead of myself. Um, I was way more emotional for that UNC game. It's like I said earlier, I was very, very vocal about it. Um, we need to go up here and take care of business. And I think the defense obviously wants the game here again. Um, I, I, I could see Virginia, West, us holding West Virginia less than 17 points easily. So I think if Virginia Tech can get up to the 20, 30 range, I think this game's pretty much win for Virginia Yeah, and I, I think that I don't think this is the game where if if it's true that we've only seen 50% of the playbook, no, I, I don't think that this isn't the game where you open it up. Like no, you don't need to. This is the game, this is the game exactly where they're gonna run just they're gonna play it just like how they played UNC. Game right. manage, control control the pace of the game. Right. This, Notre Dame is the game where you open it up, yeah, like not West Virginia. They're just they're just better. You're gonna have to open it up there. And well, so like 
Sam said, what Richmond is where you kind of open it up, you know, get your feet wet before you play Notre Dame. But you're not, I don't think you're going to have to open up the playbook in a West Virginia defense that gave up 500 yards to a, to an average Maryland team. I think you just stick to what's working. You do what you game, you manage the game, you manage time of the possession. The, the defense has already performed this year more than enough. Let them keep performing. Um, and you put it in the defense's hands just like we did in 1999. I, Brandon, I, Michael Vick to lead us at the very end, but the, it was in the defense's hands the most game. I, I, I think you'll see a bit more of a vertical passing attack in this game because of what Maryland was able to do to West Virginia's DBs. And just That's, fair. That's definitely fair. And, and I don't know if like, is that like, you don't really call it like you don't call four verts in real life. Like it doesn't really happen, but you do scheme guys open deep. And I don't really know if they've been doing that in the first few games. Like so one, Coralson's very good at, he's very good at these gadget pass plays. Yes. That, that have have exactly. Yeah. They're not, he, he, he He'd really never had a quarterback that's been back there, you know, just watching, you know, four vert passes and put hitting him in stride. He's never had a guy like that. Gerard Evans wasn't even that guy. Gerard Evans was the guy he just threw up. He just threw really good back shoulder fades to really good receivers. He never threw guys in stride down the field. So yeah, he didn't have a cannon. No, he had a, so, a yeah, normal so arm. He, so what you're going to see is, I think you could definitely see maybe a few more of these gadget pass plays versus like, like the shark wheel. From you know, as everybody loved, <laughs> yes, COVID from you know, Barstool Big Cat, you know, oh, man. Like that, the shark wheel, stuff like that. There's some gadget plays that you know, you can see. I, I could see them opening up some, especially in the passing game, especially if that young secondary from West Virginia and their hurting secondary from West Virginia, um, gets confused. I mean, some of those gadget plays are honestly ran really well, but they run out eventually. So it'll be interesting to see if he uses them here. Well, let's talk a bit more about that in our hokey prop bets of the week. Let's review last week's really quick. Last week, we only had two. We had Virginia Tech over under 250 rushing yards, and that did not hit. They had 224 total rushing yards. We also had Virginia Tech defense over under five and a half sacks, and nope, they had three sacks. So this week, we have four because we only have four of us. We're going to go super rapid fire. First one, Virginia Tech playing the most immobile quarterback you will see in 2021 over under four and a half sacks way over. over. I also don't like West Virginia's line. I think that yeah, I their offensive line is not good. I he's going to get hammered all day. Yeah. I like over here. And I think if we get to five or five, seven sacks somewhere in that range, I think they win the game. If we don't get more than four and a half sacks, we're in trouble. That's just me. That means something's wrong. Will definitely be a big part of this game. Virginia Tech getting into the backfield on passing downs. Second prop bet, Raheem Blackshear, a guy who's really coming to his own, both rushing and receiving. Over under 74 and a half total yards of offense for Raheem Blackshear. Didn't was in probably I think the low 60s against Middle, against Middle Tennessee. And then uh was about 76 against UNC after the one big uh, pass completion. I like over here, Sam, just because I think you're going to see one of these gadget pass plays to Raheem Blackshear. Maybe the pop pass. I feel like Raheem Blackshear is that perfect guy for the pop pass. You know, that Brad Carlson loves to run. And he's ran the ball pretty freaking good. I think you're going to see him alleviate some of Jalen Holston's first and second down runs and have Blackshear come in, um, try to get some big yardage on the first few downs to let Holston come in on second and third down to try to pull it over for, you know, three or four more yards. So I like over 70 yards. Or what did you say, 74 yards? 
Uh, over under 74 and a half total yards. Yeah, I like, I like over 74 and a half. The number I had in my head was 80. Uh, so I'll go over, but I think that it comes a lot more, I'll say like 30 rushing and 50 receiving. Um, because I think especially like against UNC, he was getting a lot of good looks from the wheel route as well. He had the one long completion on the wheel route, then another one where Burmeister overthrew him. Um, I think Blackshear will have a couple openings like that and will rack up some receiving yards. Ed, thoughts on I actually, I actually say under here. Um, I kind of like the under here. I, and I think, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think the under, but not because we're not playing well, more because I think, or I hope Jalen Holston's getting a lot of carries and a lot of yards. Um, I think he's our best running back. I know you can use Blackshear in a lot of different ways, and I would love to see more of those different ways than just as a true running back. But I hope between the tackles, uh, Jalen Holston's having a day. I mean, just keep giving him the ball. I agree with Irby on this one. I could see him being around 80, but mostly in the receiving category. I do think he'll get probably eight to 10 carries as a running back, but I think the way that Jalen Holston is running, especially after contact right now, he's going to get the lion's share of the carries rushing for Virginia Tech. But I think Raheem Blackshear can be schemed open into a place where he can have a big reception and make some guys miss, hopefully for a big play. Third one, moving over to the other side of the ball, West Virginia over under 125 yards rushing for West Virginia. Now, to put this in perspective, West Virginia is averaging only 123 yards rushing this season. That's even playing Long Island University. So over under 125 rushing yards for the Mountaineers. Virginia Tech allowing an average of 106 through two games. I feel like you're baiting me into saying under just because they're going to go over, but I'm sticking with my gut here. Under uh, Virginia Tech's run defense has has been pretty freaking good in the last two games. Um, better than expected, honestly, just because we didn't know what the linebacker play was going to be like. Dax has been much better in, in his current role as in now, especially with Tisdale and a couple other guys rotating in there. Um, really been able to stretch the field a lot more to flatten out these runs instead of uh, horizontally instead of having to go vertically. So I like the under here. Defense, I, I'm still sold. Defense is going to have a big game. Um, I think it's going to be very vintage. I'm saying under, and here's why sacks in college count as negative rushing yards, whereas they don't in the NFL. And if the Hokies are going to have as many sacks as I think they will, uh, they may have 125 rushing yards from the running backs, but I think all the numbers of sacks that uh, Dogecoin is going to endure will drag them under 125. I think they have under as well on this one. I, Dax and Tisdale have been fantastic at linebacker this year for us so far. Um, hopefully that play continues, but also Jamari Connor is just so good. Um, uh, Jamar, yeah. he's, he's helped his draft stock incredibly. And I think the combination of uh, Jamari, Dax, Tisdale, and even um, Keontae Jenkins back, uh, I like the under for the rushing total here. Connor's if like- it goes over, we got problems. Yeah, I agree. And Connor, Ed, to your point, is that an unbelievable first two games. Um, after, you know, his performance last year, you know, people were really wary what he was going to look like. Um, his coverage has been better. His thought process has been better. He's relying on what he's been told instead of his just his instinct, you know, doing the wrong, filling the wrong gaps. He's been pretty incredible the first two games. So I agree with you there. I am going to go 
under as well because of whatever he said. I think West Virginia will run the football with Letty Brown a little bit better than maybe they did against Maryland. I think their game script kind of got away from them there in the second half. So I'm going to go under. I think they get around 110 to 120 is what I would suspect for West Virginia right here. And I think Tech has some big sacks, especially late, that could help them seal the win. My final one, a little bit different. Who has more total yards, Braxton Burmeister or Jared Doey? Daigie. Daigie. Doge. Doge. (laughs) Doge. (laughs) Um, The West Virginia quarterback or the Tech quarterback? Who has more total yards at the end of the game? Braxton, right? Yeah. Again, I'm just – I'm homing in on the defense here. Defense got a big game. Um, I think Braxton gets it done. I don't think it's going to be pretty like a lot of yards. I think it's going to look – this game, I'm saying it now, I said it, is going to look – Identical to the UNC Virginia Tech game on Friday night two weeks ago. I'm going to go with the West Virginia quarterback here. Um, I still think we win the game, but I think the West Virginia quarterback himself has more yards, mostly through the air, um, trying to play catch up, hopefully. (laughs) I agree. I I think Jared Dagey will probably be around that 250 to 275 passing yards. It's just how their offense is. I think Tech, against UNC, you saw what could happen in certain instances where, you know, Tech is, you're never going to see a lockdown defensive team like you used to see 15 years ago or something. And I think there is this give and take with modern defense where if you want to get pressure on the quarterback and you want to stop the run, especially in these spread schemes, you're going to end up giving up some plays downfield. I think that's what happens here. I think Daigie could, even Daigie has a good game. I still think Virginia Tech can win, but uh, I don't see Burmeister. I see him maybe getting one or two deep passes, but I think the game script will definitely be running the ball a lot in that milk package for sure. Hopefully they're in that milk package a lot. That's all I got for prop bets, guys. We'll see how those pan out next week. Any picks? that you guys have on your card that you'd like to shout out real quick. I know I have uh, a few very on-brand Mountain West picks for the week. As Robert Irby used to say last year, who likes free money? And I'm going to say it, and I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to say this is free money. Cincinnati minus three and a half at Indiana. Are you kidding me? Like, Indiana is not good, guys. They're not good at all. Michael Penix Jr., he had, a, he had a couple of good games last year against teams that were, you know, had COVID issues and he had a last second touchdown or two point conversion, I think against uh, Penn state. I mean, but they're not good. Cincinnati is a good football team and people still aren't talking about them. And they're only favored by three and a half points at Indiana who still only cares about basketball. Tom Allen, good coach. Indiana still doesn't have the top, the talent. Cincinnati has a better coach than Tom Allen. And his name is Luke Fickle. And if he's still there come Saturday and he's not at USC, I think Cincinnati gets it done easily by more than a, by more than three and a half points. I'm going to stick with the Big Ten as well. Uh, I really like Maryland minus seven and a half at Illinois. On my card too. I mean, I, Illinois is just a really, really bad football team. I talked about it earlier. Maryland's looked pretty good so far. They got that big win over West Virginia. Seven and a half is like a criminally low line here. 
uh, for the Terps, even on the road. Um, and then another one I like here, uh, I like Temple plus 14 and a half at home versus Boston College because Phil Jerkovich out for the year with a hand injury. Uh, at least that's what's being reported. And with him out, that is a brutal, brutal loss for Boston College. And they may recover later on in the season. Um, but for their first game without Djokovic to be on the road at Temple, noon game, um, I'm not saying Temple will win. You know, I'm not quite ready to jump on that plus 490 money line. Uh, but I do think that it'll be pretty close. Ugly football game. Um, Temple, Temple hangs in there. I just realized I have five Big Ten teams on my card. Uh, I also have Northwestern minus two and a half at Duke. Duke's bad, guys. They're really bad. Northwestern's not much better, but they have a good coach, and he's locked in for like 7,000 years or something crazy. So Northwestern minus two and a half. Let's not make it easy. And I'm sticking to my, my Miami thing. I think they're not that good, and I think they have their tails tucked again. I got Michigan State plus five and a half at Miami. Kenneth Walker is a man. He is absolutely insanity, and Miami's run defense has been god-awful. And I think he's going to cause some serious issues for Miami all game. I think Miami has another chance to lose a game. They, After the what, what I saw last week and the week before at Alabama, this team could have could easily have been 0-3 going into week four. So, And I like Michigan State, plus 5.5 at Miami. Hopefully no cats this time falling off the bleachers. Yes, everyone, keep your pets. To Don't put them in – football stadiums where they can fall 30 feet into drunk Miami fans. Ed, what's on just your- don't own a cat. Just don't own a cat. Yeah. That's just, that's more of it. Own a dog that makes lots of noises and plays with the loud squeaky toys while you're trying to record a podcast. That's the way to go. I, I'm going to hit you with, I said, I have three mountain West games. I actually have four and I'm picking the mountain West team and every single one of them. Nevada minus one and a half at Kansas State. Kansas State with a backup quarterback. Absolutely go with the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft, Carson Strong. Love the Wolfpack in that one. Utah State plus eight and a half at Air Force. Utah State, they already have the win against Washington State. Air Force has beaten some bad teams. Navy is atrocious this year. Uh, They just fired their offensive coordinator. Think if Utah State can pass the ball, in that air raid offense, get out to a quick lead. I think they at least cover that eight and a half. Boise State at home on the Smurf turf against Oklahoma State are minus three and a half. Oklahoma State has not looked good. Spencer Sanders is still dealing with some injuries, has not looked good this year either. I like Boise State in that one. And then Fresno State, our good friends, Fresno State, plus 11 and a half at UCLA. I think UCLA can win the game, but 11 and a half is way too many points. Fresno State's a good team. And I think UCLA coming off that massive LSU game, then a bye week. Some teams really capitalize on the bye week. Some teams struggle off of it. I think USC could be lulled to sleep a little. UCLA, excuse me, could be lulled to sleep a little bit here. I like the Bulldogs in that one. Um, You can see the rest of my card on Twitter. I I put all my pain and suffering out there for the good people to enjoy on Twitter.com. Ed, anything interesting on your card this week? You guys covered a lot of the good ones. I like the Cincinnati one. I like the Maryland one as well. But let's close this out with a bang here. Florida State money line. Good night, everybody. I like that. I I like it. I like it. Dang. (laughs) 
I like it, but I think they're in shambles. I could see it going either way. Um, I bet what I bet <laughs> I just got first game bet Wake Forest as that line came out minus four and a half. So, but I could see Florida, Florida State, State either. Yeah, no Florida State either blows them out or they don't play. I mean, they either show up and win or they show up and get absolutely hammered. I don't think there's anywhere in between. Yeah, no, um, I could see it going either way. Uh, yeah. I mean, Norvell might get fired after if they get blown up by Wake Forest. So <laughs> they have all Mike the money. Norvell bounce back. But yeah, so. Oh, man. If- so is no one brave enough to uh, throw out a bet on the South Carolina plus 3,500 money line at Georgia? Nobody? Nobody? South Carolina does have a tendency to ruin people's seasons. All and, aboard and the Shane train? And if any, and if any, if any team. If South Carolina has anybody's team's number, it's Georgia. I feel like they've beaten them like every they beat them like every other year almost, it seems like. So plus it's like I think it's the 31, Georgia's 31 and a half point favorites. Um, granted, this is the best Georgia team that Kirby Smart's had, in my opinion. So who knows what's gonna happen? I'm not touching that because I don't want to look like an idiot either way. So Shame. I would like to say that I had South Carolina at plus money line last week. That was a shout great out to whoever their kicker is. I'll great. also have to give a shout out for um, our colleague, Mike, our fellow lock crew member, Mike McDaniel, who's not on the podcast tonight. He'll be staying up with me to watch San Jose state at Hawaii, 1230 AM Eastern kickoff over 60 and a half book it. That's my lock of the week. Over 60 and a half. I, it's just going to be a phenomenal football game. Uh, there will be no fans in attendance because of COVID policies in Hawaii. I love 60 and a half. Guys, that'll wrap things up for us. Thank you so much for listening. It truly is a pleasure. Um, you know, the numbers are growing and growing each week. We can't thank you enough. Big, big weekend of football ahead of us. Thanks for tuning in. Go Hokies.